All right, ladies and gentlemen, here we are again. Mike Moore, sitting across from me in the great studios of Northern Seminary. And we're here to do another Theology on Mission podcast, where theology meets the issues of culture for Christ, his kingdom, and the church. No. Oh, uh, the gospel? No. Um, the mission of God? And his mission. Ah, I knew Bingo. it was in there. Yeah, we had to get the word mission in there because this podcast is called Theology on Mission Podcast. Yes. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, I'm here with my McDonald's coffee. Uh-huh. And uh, it's a bold roast. Uh, and I'm relaxed. I'm feeling pretty uh, relaxed right now. Are you feeling relaxed, What Michael? different personalities we have. You drink the McDonald's bold roast, and I have the cozy chamomile. Yuck. <laughs> did you watch? Did you watch Ted Lasso at all? I, are you kidding me? Okay, yeah, folks. Anybody I, out I knew there the answer in to that Facebook question. land knows that I love Ted Lasso. I, I love that scene where somebody offers him tea and he says, "Pitch and sweat." No, <laughs> <laughs> I don't drink that. <laughs> all right, that's classic. All uh, right, um, Mike Moore. Uh, let's get right to it. This let's morning. jump into it. Yeah. Uh, because we're kind of short on time because the computer broke again. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, if you're out there and you're of the praying sort, that's right. Pray that Theology on Mission will get a new computer from Northern Seminary. And if anybody's <laughs> out there listening and might want to donate, uh, donate yeah. directly to the account. Yeah, we should make a Patreon of Mike Moore. No, I, I think that's not legal, ladies and gentlemen. I, I, I uh, hold on a second. Uh, <laughs> I'll edit that. Edit out. that out. Um, there you go. Um, but anyways, the topic for today that I've, I've titled it "Children and the Post Christendom Reaction." Yeah. And, uh, uh, you know, I think it goes uh, without saying. By the way, this is from a Facebook post, my Facebook fit chest. You can follow pretty easily. Uh, but you can find the notes for this right there on the Facebook page if you just, you know, uh, what do you do? Do a search on the Facebook page. Anyways, uh, I digress. Uh, I, I think it should uh, go without saying that it's a really important task of the church, any size church, to care for the children in our midst. Uh, by t- caring for them, I mean teach, guide, disciple the church into life with uh, Christ and his kingdom. Um, but I think particularly today we are amped up about it. I, I think Christian parents all over uh, North America, at least, are sensing, are feeling threatened. They're feeling threatened by a culture that, in their view, has gone haywire. And now I'm talking about issues of gender, sexuality, mm-hmm. racism, money, uh, capitalism. They maybe had some assumptions about all that that were lying fallow. They, are, they, were, they were just un, un, unchecked, unchecked mm-hmm. undisturbed, and all of a sudden uh, they're being confronted by things left and right yeah. that challenge their children's formation. And by the way, I don't care what side you are on any of those issues. Um, I think it's right to uh, ask, uh, is our culture challenging us in the right way? Because hmm. I think it is really important for our children. So we're amped up. I mean, we're having new laws. We're having school council meetings. We're having book burnings. We're having all sorts of things going on. Have you sensed any of this going on yeah, in it's your cha- circles? It's changed rapidly. I went to a public school 
public school kid here. You know, I graduated high school over about 20 years ago. I and went to it, a public school grad. You went to public school? Absolutely. Okay. Well, it was a public school, and there was a Christian school on the other side of town that was probably, you know, 50, 75 kids. My school was about 1,000. And although my school was public, it was largely Christian in disposition. Not, most people there didn't necessarily go to church, although if they had any religious affiliation, it was Christian. There was just kind of this assumed conservative Christian ethos kind of wedded throughout the school. Yeah. There were no questions about bathrooms, sexuality, gender identity. Yeah. I mean, our school was 99% white, so race was not really a conversation that was had either. Um, now living in Chicago, Chicago land, things have changed very, uh, very quickly from where I grew up. But I would imagine even the town I grew up in has experienced quite a few shifts the last two decades yeah well of course i went to elementary and middle school and part of high school in canada and uh this is uh and i think my experience was largely the same as yours back then Mm -hmm. but now you walk into a school the same school i went to back then and uh really on the front door is Mm -hmm if you are struggling with this or if you're struggling with your sexual identity or if you're struggling with your gender identity, uh, uh, orientation, uh, these, these are an A, B, C, D, E, or F. And please see, we have counselors, we have people there to help you sort this out. Yeah. Um, And so it's really everywhere. I'm not just talking sexuality and or gender. I'm talking about all the various issues, Uh, you you know, worldview issues. Oh, sure, yeah. Depending on what part of the country you're from, uh, teaching evolution is perceived as a threat. Right. Well, you know, I grew up in a really conservative part of the U.S., but uh, but one change that happened when I was there was the Ten Commandments went down and the metal detectors went up. Really? Yeah. you know, I I was in school around the time of Columbine, but you know, oh. th- this is a, you're seeing a shift of the Ten Commandments not you know ha- having a central place in the school or any signs of re- religious orientation being removed, and then obviously an increase of violence and you know feeling of hostility and being threatened. So you know, we're seeing uh, don't say gay laws in Florida. Mm-hmm. We're seeing uh, various other laws. I mean. Y- I might have thought this was over in the 30s with the uh, uh, Dayton, Tennessee uh, trials over teaching evolution. But no, it's still raging in certain parts of of, the United States of America. And besides that, I think that this has to be an issue on our minds anyways, Mm -hmm. uh, regardless of where we're at, where our culture's at, where we're at in these issues. How do we teach, guide, disciple the children into life with Christ amidst a culture which is challenging us on all fronts, no matter where you're at on these various mm-hmm. issues. So um, uh, do you have anything to say before I go on to the next point? No. Yeah. Let's uh, talk about the church. Yeah. So a key uh, idea, a key phrase for me in all this, I actually wrote about it quite a bit in uh, chapter, I think it's chapter seven of Faithful Presence, a book I wrote about. Uh, five, eight years ago. Man, I can't remember. But um, key phrase is being with our children. Emphasis on the word with. You know, and being with children um, suggests that we live life 
in the kingdom with the children. We don't sequester them, segregate them off into a room away from the adults and then teach them this rather rote uh, content. Uh, Mm -hmm. No, they must actually, I contend at least, see the life of the kingdom lived out in the life of the church and uh, among their parents, among their adults, between adults, being with the children, the way this took place at Life on the Vine, and this practice kind of has still continued to this day in, in uh, other churches that I have had leadership in, is this idea that everyone in the church is called to be with the children. Mm-hmm. Everyone, not just the children's workers or those gifted with children. No, everyone, because why we want them to be with the church at large and see what's going on. Um, and so in our church at Life in the Vine, for instance, we uh, would regularly announce sign-ups for children. Mm-hmm. We had regular teachers, but we also but we had asked every adult to be in there two times every two months at minimum. Yeah, uh, We only had this small uh, half an hour, 40 minutes when the sermon went on, uh, when we excused the children under a certain age to go and basically be taught Mm -hmm. in a way they could relate to, but all the parents, not only the parents, all people participated in that process. We found it amazing. Hmm. We found it very helpful. Have you ever been in a church like that, Mike? Not like that, where it's required. I mean, I, I, you know, my mom was a children's pastor for 35 years, so I was frequently pulled into being with the children even, you know, as early as junior high, high school. Um, so it's always been a big priority in the family and, and for myself personally, but I, I don't know if I've ever been part of a church where it was emphasized so, so much to the point where every member was expected to be present. Yeah, and no, I think the most we ever got was 75%, but that's still that's a lot. Yeah, uh, Everyone would have to go through a background check. Mm-hmm. Um but the idea there was uh, that we would be with them, not not just teaching to them or at them, but be with them. We would go through a story time, uh, a teaching time, and then we would spend time in crafts and activities with them. The adults would be listening to their questions. Yeah. The adults would be uh, admiring their work. Mm-hmm. Um, and so anyways, um, the idea of being with children was important. Are you ready for my next point? Bring it on. Okay, my next point is, however, that something often happens, even in churches like the ones I just described that I've been part of, is that uh, we sometimes end up uh, centering the church on being with children. Mm-hmm. Uh, excuse me. No, 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 no. Scratch that. Uh, we sometimes, I'm looking. I'm center looking, the church around the children. Right. We center the church on the children. Yeah. Um, So uh, here's what I said on page 142 of Faithful Presence about this, and see if you can resonate. We must constantly, I said, we must constantly balance between being present to our children and directing their gaze and our gaze jointly with the children to the presence of Christ. Hmm. Loving our children in this way is so important by together tending to Jesus in the space between us, we avoid idolizing our children. 
I think this is a big deal. You know, I say there are times when admiring our children affirms them, gives them confidence. It's good, but we must resist centering our lives around children and instead center our lives together with them, with being the key word again, in Christ's presence. Being with our children offers the space to discipline our children into the ways of kingdom. So often, folks, we... um, spend so much time on our children that we do it at the expense of the discipleship of the adults. Hmm. And if the adults and the parents don't get discipled, Mm -hmm. I'm sorry, the children won't have anything to be discipled into. It will just be rote instruction that will go in one ear and out the other. (laughs) Yeah. So... um, Anyways, I fear sometimes that we uh, um, uh, that that we make this mistake of uh, going from one extreme to the other. Okay, the one extreme is let's segregate the children, let's yeah. build a little program, let's get away from them for a while, mm-hmm. let's have the professionals teach them, and they get separated from the life of the church. Right. The other extreme is oh, we're going to invite the children to be with us, but now everything we do is centered on them, and they end up. Uh, detracting from the whole life of the community and realize that we are with, they are with us. We must be going someplace in some direction in order for them to be uh, invited alongside Mm. and with us to go in the same direction. Mm. Comments? Yeah. Was that clear? I think so. Have you got questions? Did it make any sense? Because I think it's a big point. Yeah, so you're saying on, on the one end, we shouldn't be just segregating the kids into programs removing them from the life of the church. But on the other end, also, we can't turn children into the the center of what the church is doing, revolving around them. Is that right? Or am that's, I... that's exactly right. You, you know, you said it in two sentences, and I, I think I said it in about 50. But uh... Well, I'm just summarizing. Uh, but rather, we need to be fo- focusing on... I, I think you said... The discipleship of adults, um, but what I hear you saying more than that is, in our own discipleship, the result is that our children will also be discipled into this life. Yes, or, on, you know, in Christ. Yeah, I, I've got a very strong opinion on this. And by the way, not everybody in in the church that I'm with mm-hmm. right now agrees with me. Okay, um, but let's take our table fellowships, uh, where I think discipleship really happens. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we gather around a meal, adults and children all together. Mm, let's say 10, 12 adults. Let's say 10, 12 children. Mm-hmm. Um, and we all eat together and we learn how to listen to one another. But then the second hour is uh, what I call adult time. Mm-hmm. And here's where we take whatever scripture we spent time on this week or whatever question concerning scripture, whatever learning, and we flesh it out. Mm-hmm. And we listen to one another on the struggles and how this worked out in your life. And when you face this struggle, how did the Lord meet you in this way that we're talking about? Yeah. What did you learn from Scripture on this? It's a very important hour where we're working out actual life situations in, in the power, the presence of the Holy Spirit around the table. And we excuse the children. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that adult time is crucial. If the adults yeah. aren't being discipled, the children won't have anything to 
to be uh, discipled with and into. Right. Uh, but then we invite all the children back for an, uh, a half an hour minimum of prayer mm-hmm. together, submitting all things to Christ in prayer and opening space for him to work in our lives. And, yeah. and I think, I tell the parents this, I say, that half an hour, first of all, seeing how adults deal with conflict in their lives together, and then that half an hour prayer, they learn mm-hmm. yeah. and see the life of Christ. They do. And um, uh, if we don't have, but if we don't have that adult time, I feel like we're gonna we're gonna sabotage the discipleship of a life of a community and its life together. Yeah, yeah. What what you're describing is a little it, it's a little tricky. Um, you know, it it's just messy. Mm. I, and, and I think what you're describing is you know I'm a fan obviously of it, but. Um, it's not as easy as being able to shuttle kids away to a program and being able to have a set, you know, kind of schedule for what they do, when they do it, who takes care of them. And this is just a suspicious side of me coming out, maybe a cynical side of me. But if you want to grow your church very quickly, centered on children. Like oh. If you if you want to grow a church um, in terms of size, just hammer home the the children's ministry and center the church around those kids. But that doesn't always mean that formation's going to be happening. No, it probably means uh, a cynical me. Yeah, I set set you up on this one. Playing off a cynical you. Mm -hmm. It probably means formation's not going on. Yeah. Some of the most largest churches have been so successful because they had these children's programs where you put your kid into a room, they go down on a slide. Right. They get a barcode. (laughs) <laughs> and then you go and enjoy, emphasis on the word, enjoy the yeah. service. Yeah, and and, and I want to check myself, too, um, also recognizing that, you know, people are part of those churches at the at the end of the day, I hate I hate that saying. If I just said it at the end of the day, <laughs> I think I think the most important thing is actually what's happening in the household. I think the household is where formation really takes place by household you mean the nuclear family or something? i do not mean ah. that. i mean it, it can it can be part of the nuclear family too but the people who are in the household let's, let's say household like in an economic sense the the network of relationships and families and friends and neighbors and strangers that are connected to your family i think that's where formation really happens and that's uh, i think a parent's role to, to lead that formation in the household for the children Yes, I mean, again, that gets back to my uh, main point here, that if the the parents are not being discipled, if the parents aren't doing the life of Christ together, the the kids have nothing to be invited into. Right, because I know parents who do take their kids to large churches, but they're also doing the work in the household as well. So I don't want to just... Throw everything under the bus. Yeah, I, I don't want to just throw large churches under the bus. Yeah, yeah and, and we're not even to the main point of this podcast yeah. yet. So just let me throw in, though, uh, I think the opening of Matthew chapter 18 is, like, so uh, interesting and instructive on children and, and life in the kingdom. You know, it starts out with the disciples doing their thing. Mm-hmm. Who gets to sit at the right hand? Who gets to sit at the left? Who gets yeah. power over people? And Jesus, to illustrate how that's completely not the way of the kingdom, uh, he looks at the children. And uh, he places, the, it says, the, uh, this is verse uh, 2, 
uh, chapter 18, verse 2, he places the child among them, with them, Mm -hmm. not as an object to be controlled, but among them. And he then says, uh, you must become like this. Uh, or you'll never enter the kingdom of heaven. This is the space of the kingdom. Can we see children and children with us as the space of the kingdom? And then he says uh, something. There's uh, there's more going on here um, than Jesus just using the child to uh, uh, symbolize or metaphor or as an illustration of humble posture. He's saying you got to enter into the space of the child, mm-hmm. and the child has got to enter into the space of us. That withness is what will bring children into the kingdom. And by the way, it won't yeah. work as a control technique. It won't work as a method. It won't even work as, you know, uh, uh, like your kid might walk away from Jesus for a little bit, but he will be drawn back or she will be drawn back by the presence of mm-hmm. Jesus and the life they've experienced in yeah. the kingdom. Yeah. <laughs> all right. All right. Uh, I, I've gone too long on all these subjects, but I want to get to the main point. Are you okay. ready for the main ready. zinger? I'm ready. Zing it. Okay. Uh, in Christendom, where culture largely supports Christian life and values, the church's role with children has often been to just reinforce doctrine. Because mm-hmm. the culture wasn't threatening. Right, right. Um, so really, that's all that was needed. And I frankly feel like that's what the church has been doing. Mm-hmm. But we got to change now. Because yeah. in post-Christendom, the culture uh, is threatening Christian life and values. Mm-hmm. Um, we got to have a different approach. And, and I want to say, in, when, when parents and churches get threatened, especially when their children get threatened... Mm-hmm. There's this uh, natural uh, doubling down. Christian parents, you know, let's get the basics done. Let's get make sure the children go. If you don't go to church, I, you know, they threaten their children. Get the youth group. Uh, they they go to homeschooling. They go to all these defensive strategies. Let's let's put laws in the legislature to protect our children from these. Yeah. And none of this will work, folks. If the adults don't have a vibrant life with God to be invited into. Yeah. If they don't see us living and experiencing God in the midst of our trials, our struggles, our crises, Mm -hmm. our prayer life together, they'll be absorbed into the, let's call it, let's say it this way, they'll be absorbed into the secular or into the hedonistic narratives of our culture. Yeah. Um, and so uh, let's, pastors everywhere, let's resist the doubling down effect of parents. By the way, uh, here's a here's an interesting thought I'd like your thought on. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a predominant Christian college, one of the most famous ones, about 10 miles from where we sit. Okay. I think I know which one uh, it is. Several professors have told me that the kids most rebellious against some of the traditional cultural stances mm-hmm. of Wheaton College. Oh. Uh, oops. Uh, uh, you know, uh, those people most rebellious against the traditional stances yeah. are the ones who were homeschooled. Yeah. They didn't get to work out their 
struggles, yeah. pains, anxieties, uh, challenges of culture in the high school sure. or in the middle school. It, it got somehow def- defended from. And so when they get to a yeah. Christian college, they rebel. Yeah. I think it. I think it depends on who's being homeschooled, what kind of family they're homeschooling them in, H- how willing the families is to engage. Yeah, culture. Yeah, I'm, I mean, you're, I, so, so so well done, Mike Moore, uh, keeping me from uh, doing a blanket <laughs> condemnation of well, all homeschooling. I gotta do, I gotta do an edit anyhow, because yeah. so, because uh, you dropped a name in there. So <laughs> uh, edit that name out. But uh, and folks, if you don't know who it is, take a good guess. But the point is. Um, yeah, I, I think what we need to understand here is uh, uh, homeschooling is great. And, and frankly, there are times and places where homeschooling makes the most sense. Yeah. Okay, so I'm not throwing all homeschooling under the bus. But I'm saying if you think this is going to be the solution, sure. it's not. We need to be engaging from high school. Oh, no, from 10 years. No. From birth. <laughs> from Yeah, <laughs> from, from birth. before birth. No, uh, <laughs> uh, if we ignore the discipleship, yeah, uh, a daily discipleship of adults tending to our children. It'll backfire. Mm-hmm. We've got to pay attention to the adults in our midst so that the children have something to be invited into. Yes. Amen. All right. Well, that just about wraps it up. Uh, mm-hmm. There's so much more to talk about this, folks. And by the way, we had, I think, a pretty decent conversation on Facebook, so go over there if you want more. Uh, if you want more, just send us a note on the Theology and Mission Facebook page or just send us a note someplace else. Give us a review if you mm-hmm. if you can spare the moment. Spread the word about Theology and Mission podcast. Uh, but for now, uh, that just about wraps it up. Do you have any announcements, Mike Moore? No announcements. Willie Jennings coming? <clears throat> Will, Willie Jennings is coming. Yep. June 9th and 10th. All right, and uh, that's the Theology and Mission uh, Lectures of Northern Seminary. Make sure you sign up and and, uh, participate because it's going to be great. We're going to have a great uh, panel and so forth. So, uh, folks, uh, we've run out of time. It's Mm -hmm. uh, Theology on Mission podcast. We uh, look forward to seeing you every other week as best we can. But until then, it's over and out. Mike Moore. And Dave Fitch.